Welcome to Working Matters. I'm Claudia Rempel. And I'm Carl Edwards. Join the conversation on the web at boldenterprises.com. Well, Claudia, here we are at week three about awkward communication. One we have sort of a, a real doozy, as they say, to talk about today. Ah, uh, yes. Everybody's favorite when somebody, and it's usually right after somebody gets a promotion, they turn into the intimidator. The uh, little bit of power goes up to their head. Goes to their head. So for those of you who tend to intimidate, and we'll describe that a little to those of you who work with people who tend to bully, um, again, from both sides, we're going to throw some things out there that hopefully help you all catch what's going on, observe it, catch yourself in the act, in time to make some different choices and get the same results, get your awkward communication out, but not fall into the pattern that does not work. So tell us a little bit more about this intimidator. What are they like? What are they? What's their sort of motivation for <laughs> being a bully? It's interesting. You know, if somebody's got the power, so to speak, got the promotion, is the boss, you know, right there in the system, they get a little more say-so. So something else is going on if these very same people who already have more power need to add on to that. Um, intimidating or yelling or bullying or forcing or backing people into corners. It's one clue right there is it doesn't, it doesn't even fit with somebody who should just be able to talk normally and be respected out of their position. Well, and I guess the, the key thing to get what I've heard you say is there seems to be a kind of a perception of what power is or that responsibility for leading others. That sort of has this kind of false sense of Somewhere along the line, they learned that having power means, you know, kind of asserting that all the asserting, time. Asserting, yeah. And they're supposed to know more than everybody and be more competent and be right because they're the boss and they get the final word. And so the final word is not just, you know, the final word, you know, we all know that the final word can be a wrong word. But for some reason, that's hard for people in authority to go there. They have the final word. It means they're right in their mind. So what's going on, you know, when you have to bully... I believe there's some doubt somewhere inside of you. There's some insecurity. There's some, I'm not so sure I really know. There's some, I don't really know if I deserve the promotion. I got it and I worked hard for it, but it's, it's not a big thing. But here's what's goes, here's what happens. And here's what doesn't work about intimidating is it shuts down the communication you want to have. In fact, it basically says to everybody, I don't want to have a communication with you. I don't want you to interact with me at all. In fact, I'm going to make this so unpleasant that you don't interact with me. And you end up, what you're doing is you end up protecting yourselves from other ideas, from criticism. And, you know, that's hard if the criticism is valid or the other idea is better than yours. Um, it can be heard as, you know, negative or demeaning or uh, the negative kind of criticizing, not, a, not the positive kind of constructive feedback. And so we head that off. We can't go there. So, you know, these people aren't going, don't go around shaking in their boots. They're not the afraid type. They're, they come across as kind of the type A, very strong type. So if you're that type, which you, you're not going to be able to catch yourself being afraid, you're not going to catch yourself being, you know, worried that your employees are better. What you want to do is you want to catch yourself not letting anyone else talk. You want to catch yourself presenting things in such a way that there's no room. You know, the rhetorical question, that's one of my favorites. There's no better idea on the table, is there? So you basically have to say that their idea is not good to engage with that statement, which most people won't do. 
And so what you do is you don't really get agreement out of everybody. You just get silence. And so that's going to backfire on you later because you really don't know where you stand with anyone. And so you have to keep pushing everything through. You just never know. You mentioned one way of checking in with yourself, but it, it, because it's a place where it's a little bit of insecurity, a little bit of a kind of a abuse of power or a way you perceive power to be or should be exerted among others. So that's a hard concept to, you know, that's kind of, a, it seems like the hardest person to turn around and to sort of redeem in, in any way. It is, it is. And so as with anything, when the change involves someone becoming aware of something themselves, there is nothing anyone else can do. You cannot help this person. You cannot bring it to their attention. They don't see it. That's not the experience they're having. They are not having an experience of an abuse of power. They are not having an experience of bullying. They're having an experience of leading. They're having an experience of being forceful and forward thinking and this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. You know, again, the reaction to it comes as a surprise to them. But if you lead and there's no one else talking and it's always silence and you are very strong that way, that's why we're suggesting these other clues, you're not getting any feedback, to say maybe you're coming across as too intimidating or bullying or too powerful so that you're not getting the benefit of everyone else. If you truly believe that you hired a bunch of idiots, if you truly believe that you know everyone you chose is incompetent, then I guess you do need to look over their shoulders and tell them what to do constantly. The chances are you really believe you hired good, solid, competent people. So then you basically got to talk yourself into saying it's worth hearing from them. It's worth including them in the communication. I wonder why such competent professionals are not participating in the conversation. I guess I do want to kind of talk about the kind of the warning of what we call techniquing. Mm-hmm. Because many people just be like, well, just listen, you know, be a listener, which means you just mm-hmm. let people talk, mm-hmm. but you don't really, you aren't listening. You aren't. I mean, it's, it could care. You could care less what they say. Yeah. You've got your little Bluetooth earphone in your ear that no one can see. And you're really listening to, our podcast. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> this, the Intimidator of... loves our podcast. <laughs> so it, it really is like, if you're going to make a decision to kind of open yourself up to having input from everybody else, you really have to do that. Exactly. But you, if you're not having that experience and you need some other sort of clue and hiring a bunch of competent professionals and having nobody initiate any ideas or give you any feedback or never improve on anything. You know, if everything you do is perfect all the time, something's wrong with the communication. There's some reason they can't say anything to you. And that's got more to do with you than it does to do with them. That's, you know, that's our leadership assumption number one. There is a problem. It's how you're coming across and how people are reacting to it. Now, the other side of this is, okay, so you've got, um, you work for an intimidator, or you work across the table from an intimidator. Your coworker is, I don't do, you know, envelopes, even though it's their job. And you end up doing them. You know, how do we engage and speak up anyway? Let's take the example that it's not okay with us to be intimidated, to be left out. Wait, I'm a competent professional. I want to participate. How do we get you know, our voice in there? Shall I go for it? I think so. What are you going to say? <laughs> I'm waiting. Well, you just had so much experience in breaking into me that I thought you would just give a 
a bunch of examples. If they can't accept feedback, then what you want to do is you want to come along as an ally. You want to come across on their side. And so the way you break in is you say something that they want to have done, something they believe in, like a high customer service or high quality or we're going to meet this deadline, and you give an idea of how to support that, how to make that happen. So you're on their side, even though you're giving another idea or you're maybe even wanting to do something differently than they instructed, instead of being against their idea or giving an alternative to their idea, which the insecure person might experience negatively, you're already affirming what they're doing and you're their ally. And so they can hear it differently. They can hear it as you know, a loyal team member, which is you know, maybe as much as their ego can handle. So that's what I suggest. So, no, I mean, this isn't like lose your morals and everything you stand for and just go pretend to be their friend and this dubious, you know, slightly treacherous no, no, but way. It's, yeah. But it's more like, hey, so-and-so, I was thinking about what we talked about, about um, our customer service strategy, and I thought this might actually help you with the strategy right. you were thinking I about. Kn- yeah, I know how important it is to you that every person, you know, and, you know, pick your value. And I was thinking doing this would accomplish that, help accomplish your thing. And it integrates it for the person. So you do some of the work for them by putting them together for them instead of saying, I have another idea. My way would be better. I have something that's better than what you suggested. (laughs) Well, and I guess I think the hardest thing for us is that we want people like the intimidators to not be that. Mm. And so we want to either bully them back or we want to just avoid them or basically have them change or we want them fired. That's right. But that's not realistic. We're talking about how you're going to work with what you've got. And sometimes if you're able to do that in a way that helps you accomplish what you need to do, that's all you can hope for, right? Because we talk about you can't change that person. And this is not a strategy for getting by. Because if your boss is intimidating out of insecurity, if they start perceiving you as on their side, then you start becoming a safe person to talk to. And they will change. They will be able to pass ideas by you because it's not an unknown to them anymore whether you're going to argue with them or criticize them or drag your feet or whatever they're they're avoiding in the first place. So you're actually creating a situation where this person can come to you without changing, just you will be perceived more safely and It'll, the overall dynamic will change. This is where we actually have more power than we think in our relationships, even if we don't have the power of the organizational chart, because they are no longer feeling insecure around us or on trial. Well, next week we'll be talking about the nagger, which is sort of the opposite of... The nagger. This is probably my least favorite person. Oh, I see. You'd rather have an intimidator than a nagger. That's interesting. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> you can help me. Join the conversation on the web at boldenterprises.com. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a Bold Enterprises production.